And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. The stories have been written. The press conferences have been done. More stories have been written. More press conferences were done. Flights are booked. Some people have been on them. And the Super Bowl is nearly finally here welcome to time czars the last episode before super bowl 55 chiefs and buccaneers in tampa bay i think this game has been broken down from virtually every angle at this point we'll do it one more time here uh and then of course like bo pete keys is going to be active and pick off tom brady in the fourth quarter and none of us are going to see that coming but at least we've tried over the course of this week yes Look, we did three podcasts this week. I'm just, I'm just so tickled. There's, there's just so much information. Uh, guys, we, we, we've made it to the Super Bowl. Like it's, it's, it's almost here. I, Josh, I'm just, I am thrilled that a lot of people are, um, you know, excited for a game that has historical ramifications. And Seth, I'm terrified that people are still going to say the wrong thing, um, <laughs> no matter the outcome on Sunday? I'm, you know, no matter the outcome on, on Sunday, there's one thing that we can be assured of, is people are going to have bad football takes. And mm-hmm. I, for one, appreciate the job security. I, <laughs> I, I was thinking about this last night, things that I'm grateful for, because I'm grateful for a lot of things. And one thing I'm grateful for, as much as it makes me crazy and I whine about, oh, Twitter's so rough to be on. And that's how I sound, actually. <laughs> it is, yeah. And but for all that, I just realized that I have had now a 10-year, I guess, career, if you want to call it that, side hobby, whatever, that is based solely on people having bad football takes on a mm-hmm. national level. And has, has has allowed me to have a lot of fun. So I'm excited for the bad takes. I've decided to be a very glass half full guy this morning as we record. It's going to be annoying, guys. I'm just letting it all out there. I've been a little negative lately. So now we're positive about everything. So I'm excited for the bad takes. I'm excited for seeing Patrick Mahomes, who is apparently throwing dots in practice like Tyreek Hill has never seen. I'm excited for all of it. And I'm also excited to watch a Super Bowl that doesn't mean an unhealthy amount to me like it did last year. Hmm. Like it means a it means are a lot sh- to me. Are you sure? I, I don't think it's at an unhealthy <laughs> level. Like I'm getting there. Talk to me again. We should we should really record like a really short live segment like 15 minutes before kickoff cuz I'm guessing I'm going to be a wreck at that point. But right now, I'm in a very healthy space where it means just the right amount to where it's not like, you know, 
unhealthy. Uh, just it, for all the new listeners that I imagine have flocked to us today, that was Seth Kaiser. The voice before that was Nate Taylor. I'm Joshua Briscoe. You can read both of their things up on The Athletic, and you can follow each of us on Twitter at ByNateTaylor, at RealMNChiefsFan. I'm at JB Briscoe. And you guys have... have been all over all sorts of things this week. There's stories in every in every nook and cranny of the website of the <laughs> internet, and God, there are so many press conferences. Uh, but we've we've done more of kind of the big picture stuff these last couple episodes. If you want more of that, we took a bunch of questions. We talked about legacy and all that stuff in the the two episodes earlier this week. I think today's show, I want to dig into a few specifics and and that sort of. Where some of the pressers sort of sort of uh, recalibrated towards some of the specifics these last couple of days, it felt like Seth, you've got your piece on the Athletic right now uh, about how either team can win this game, and Nate, you've covered everything from literally every fathomable angle. Um, but one common thread throughout all of these things is, is a guy we've talked about a lot and a position group we've talked about a lot, but probably still not enough. The thing that I've been fascinated by these last couple of days is one Thornhill and the secondary as a whole. Yeah, there there was the the clip from Thornhill talking about the the versatility among the defensive backs and how they just sort of all talk about themselves as defensive backs and and, and we Seth, you've mentioned that you know right now Spags is trusting pretty much any of those corners and we're talking about undrafted free agent. Uh, you know, veteran journeyman, uh, fourth round rookie, sixth round second year player. Like that's those are the corners that are are being entrusted with these uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown matchups this week. But all of it has worked in a way that I I never would have imagined or predicted. I've joked joked that I've been nervous about the cornerback position since the Chiefs traded Marcus Peters. Like that's. We we have had so many offseason conversations about the cornerback position, and now with this group of guys, it's it's as good as it's maybe ever looked. Nate, you wrote about um, and and talked to a bunch of guys this week about you know the the feeling of being able to be back in the Super Bowl with guys like Thornhill, also Alex Okafor, who were injured during last year's Super Bowl or before last year's Super Bowl, not able to play in it. Seth, you've written about the the Chiefs secondary a lot. So Nate, let's go to you first and kind of the. The, the narrative around those guys and, and specifically what you've heard from Thornhill and the other guys talking about him uh, over the course of this week. Yeah, it was it was honestly a, a really fun story to work on. And I hope, you know, our listeners enjoy it. But um, you're always looking for something new going from one Super Bowl to another. Uh, if your team makes it back to back years, it's obviously rare. It doesn't happen a ton in the NFL. And so I didn't want to necessarily write the same thing that I had written last year. Um, but this was pretty reminiscent of when I talked to Matt Moore and Damian Williams before, uh, you know, the game in Miami last year. It was like, oh, this is kind of more relational based. We had talked all year that because I'm not in the locker room, I can't, you know, provide that level of reporting that I usually would. But because we get everybody before the Super Bowl, even if it's via Zoom, there is a chance for me to kind of tap into that. And so mm-hmm. one sort of theme of all of this is that you start looking down the roster and you start realizing, wow, like Alex Okafor is going to be, you know, pretty important in this game Mm -hmm. if the Buccaneers, which I think they will probably do, tend to double team Chris Jones and will give an occasional chip second blocker to, you know, uh, Frank Clark. 
Juan Thornhill, because of his, you know, ACL rehab, it was a right around the time uh, that the Chiefs played the Buccaneers in Week 12 that Steve Spagnuolo kind of pulled him, cooled him off and said, hey, man, I, I know you want to play every snap, but, like, there's a bigger picture in mind and, you know, you, you're starting to show, not regression, but you're starting to show some some real effects of coming back quicker than usual from an ACL injury. Um, and so he's going to be massive in this game in terms of how much range can he have if Tom Brady and Bruce Arians want to push the football the way they did in the second half versus the Packers, which means he may have an opportunity or two to make a to make a real play on the ball. Um, even guys like Daryl Williams and Chad Henney, they were not with the team, you know, for much of Super Bowl week last year in Miami. They've already had their moments in the playoffs, whether it's, you know, mostly against the Cleveland Browns where Daryl Williams almost got 100 yards um, in all-purpose. And Chad Haney obviously had the two biggest highlights of his career. And then lastly, I forgot that Andrew Wiley was not on the injured reserve list, but he had been replaced by Stefan Wozniewski because he had a left ankle injury. And Wozniewski, for all the right reasons, had just been playing really well, and there was no reason to get rid of that. And so they were going to, you know, use him to put – uh you know, they were going to use Wozniewski to, to, to just keep the continuity that they had on, on the offensive line, which obviously uh, was the right call. So this game is incredibly important to all of these guys, but Andrew Wiley can be a real hero. Like, if he stands up to Pierre Paul and Shaq Barrett, and I assume, and I've got, you know, good reasoning that I've been led to believe that he will be the starting right tackle, Sources say. Um, I'm pretty confident that Mike Rimmers <laughs> will be the left tackle. Yes, yes. Shout it to the heavens, Josh. <laughs> so uh, Andrew Sources tell the athletics Nate Taylor. Yeah, go ahead, sorry. So Andrew Wiley and Juan Thornhill and Alex Okafor watched Super Bowl 54 from the stands. Mm. And now they're all going to be on the field and could have real roles as to whether or not this team becomes back-to-back champions. So for Wiley specifically, he acknowledged that the previous game against the Buccaneers, where he was a guard, not a tackle, was one of his worst games of the season. It was. And so this is really, like, this is all set up for him to have quite a personal story. Uh, because he has been doubted, understandably. He has been questioned uh, plenty. He is going to be, I believe, a free agent. Mm-hmm. This game, everything in Andrew Wiley's career has led up to this game. And he's playing right tackle. Um, So, it's just a cool, it's a cool moment. I don't know what the future holds, guys. This is why... Recording a podcast two days before the Super Bowl was so much fun. But think about, in particularly in particular, those three players. Juan Thornhill, Alex Okafor, Andrew Wiley. If the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, at least two of those three players play well. And if they blow out the Buccaneers, it's because all three of them met their moment when that moment arrived. Man, you... Uh, I'm not going to say you stole my thunder by being an awesome an analyst, but you totally did. Because 
I that the the this whole the other guys theme is something that I've been thinking about a lot this week and have written about a little bit. Um, in the Chief in the North newsletter. In the Chief yes. in the North newsletter. Yes. Um, Just say the name. But I started off with with Legarius Sneed because mm-hmm. I, I I really think so. Since you mentioned Thornhill, we'll start with him. Huge, huge deal that he's playing in this game. And if someone were to say to me, "Well, Seth, what are you talking about? He played in Week Twelve too." Yeah. But he wasn't himself. And like you said, that game, when we recorded after that game, that was when we basically said we need to have a tough conversation about Juan Thornhill, if I'm recalling correctly. Because he got run past a couple times on a couple of their bigger plays. And, like, I mean, one to Chris Godwin that was, I think, 40 or 50 yards. Basically, Godwin just ran right by him even though Thornhill gave him a good cushion. And if you just turn on the tape, you'll see the difference in him now. And he's even tweeted out, like, how much it means to him that he's he's out there this time. Yeah. Like, he had a great rookie season, and the only reason there wasn't more buzz about him was because he got hurt right before the playoffs, and there was, like, a lifetime of memories jammed into the playoffs, right? Like, and so people kind of forget how good he was last year. And he's been excellent, not just against the Bills. He was excellent against the Browns as well. And when you combine that with Legereus Sneed, again, you know, everyone's going to talk about Mahomes. Everyone's going to talk about the offensive line as a whole being banged up. Everyone's going to talk about Hill and Kelsey and, and Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew. Him and Legereus Sneed have altered the defense. Um, the secondary has been pretty good all season. Yep. Even with Sneed hurt and Thornhill playing at less than 100%. They've been pretty good. With those guys, you know, out there, they've been really good. Like, really, really good. Josh Allen, we talked about this. He didn't have anyone to throw to. Stephon Diggs could not get open. It's crazy. And it wasn't just because, oh, Sneed was blanketed. I mean, they took their turns on him. But, I mean, the Chiefs have four corners that they trust. Sneed, this year, has been the best of them. But they trust, like, Mike Evans. They trust Bashad Breeland to go out there and cover Mike Evans. They do. Um, and, and let me just tell you, some of the big plays, uh, and ah, man, I want to write about so much, but if you <laughs> go back and look at the big plays the Buccaneers had, again, in week 12, that got them not really back in the game. They were never really back in the game, folks. They weren't. And the only reason they even kind of got back in the game is because is Patrick Mahomes threw the ball behind McCole Hardman, and Hardman dropped the pass. He should have caught. That would have been like a 75-yard touchdown that would have yep. ended things. Yep. It was over. And so, but a couple of their big plays, uh, Mike Evans' touchdown on fourth and three was because Armani Watts blew the deep safety coverage. Talk um, about it. Charvarius Ward thought he had help over the top. Now, now again, look, I'm not in the huddle. This is just what I'm seeing. This is with the caveat that, hey, I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, hey, Armani Watts, DM me or blast me on Twitter and be like, hey, what's this idiot talking about? And I will say, clearly something idiotic because he's an idiot, and I'll admit it. But what it looks like, it looks like him and Thornhill were supposed to help out over the top while being uh, closer to the line of scrimmage than normal because it was fourth and three. And Evans ran an out and up. Ward thought he had help over the top. And if Ward's reaction after the play is any indication... Uh, he was supposed to have help over the top because he was not <laughs> he was not happy. And and let me just tell you, uh, I like Armani Watts in, in how he flies to the ball and stuff, but he doesn't have Thornhill's range when Thornhill's healthy, and I don't think Thornhill makes that mistake. And that's seven points. It's a fourth down conversion right there that they needed. They were down. Just keep this in mind. With like 13, 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter, the Bucks were down by 17 points 
They needed this fourth and three conversion. That happened because of Juan Thornhill being out of the game. Chris Godwin with a 50-yard, 40-yard play happened because Juan Thornhill was playing hurt. Rob Gronkowski with a 47-yard game happened because of a blown coverage, because of miscommunication, the type that the Chiefs aren't seeing anymore. I just described like more than a third of Tom Brady's yards in week 12. Mm. And it was all stuff that happened that really probably won't happen with this group. So I'm excited for Thornhill. Um, Andrew Wiley's got a chance to be a hero, like you said. He's got a chance to make himself a lot of money because if he puts together good tape here, because he went he went shot for shot with Cam Jordan. He did. Got Cam Jordan mad enough to throw the most inexplicable punch. And I know I've been talking forever, but I have to just say one more time, Cam Jordan coming out afterwards saying that he didn't mean to do that was the funniest thing. (laughs) That was like, that was the equivalent of like when a dude robs a gas station and like pulls his mask down while he's doing it. And like, (laughs) and then everyone's like, oh no, that wasn't me. I actually, okay, I prosecuted a theft once where this dude knew that his ex-wife was coming in and stealing his stuff. He knew it. And so he set up cameras all over his house because he didn't know what else to do because he knew she kept finding the key or whatever it was, right? So she is on camera walking through the house, clearly knows where things are, stealing stuff. And there was one camera that got positioned right in front of like some of the knickknacks and stuff she was stealing. Prosecuting's weird, y'all, by the way. (laughs) And so she's, like, literally standing right in front of, like, if you're picturing, like, how, like, nanny cams kind of show things. She's right in front of it. Like, she's doing, like, a mug shot, I guess, would be appropriate. And so later on, I meet with her. And I'm just, because she was pro se, um, she had a defense attorney. And the defense attorney's like, oh, she's crazy. And, like, (laughs) and so I meet with this woman. And I'm, like, I I just watched you on camera. She's like, no way. I didn't do it. I wasn't there. I was like, that that can't possibly be true. And I so I go to my office. I get my laptop. I bring the disc with the video on it, and I play it for her in a conversation. 4K! I was like, you 4K! Yeah, I got you in 4K. And I was like, look, we'll, we'll call her Miss Jones. Miss Jones, look at this. And she looks at this, and she goes, wow, that looks exactly like me. But it's not me. That ain't me. And, and I just, I was just like, okay, to, to, to quote myself from a conversation that I had yesterday with someone was, I think we're done here. And <laughs> I just, okay, Sad. we'll have a trial. That was Cam Jordan. Oh, man, that guy looks exactly like me. But, but and you, boy, but, is he wearing my number, but that was not me. But, but Mr. Kaiser, can you get me off? Can you, yeah, yeah. Can you get me off? <laughs> you can get me Seth, off, right? Seth, you, Seth, you, Seth, yeah. Seth, you're too, Seth, you're, Seth, you're, ugh. It's right under your nose. You're listen. I know you're a you're a big big lawyer boy. You know you got all you got that those law degrees and all that experience and everything. But when's the last time you watched a movie, Seth? Oh no, what movie am I missing? I don't know. I don't know what movie. I just this feels like something that you would see in a movie. She have twin sister. Oh, go for the love of does. Maybe <laughs> she have twin that. sister. I actually you got did, did you ask? This you gotta woman, ask. We have the records for those sort of things. That woman has never had a sister. Ah! Thanks. You know what? She just texted. She actually just Venmoed me, and I'm defending her now. And my, our defense is she have twin sister. <laughs> twin sister. That never. Yes. You know what? I should have thought that. We have anyway, now. We've created reasonable doubt, and I will. <laughs> yeah. This discord is a reasonable. 
That's one of my favorite things is making I will take a consulting fee, please, Seth. I would like a whatever. I don't know how you do that, but I'd like a sizable consulting fee. And you can tell her that you, you've got the path to freedom here. It's she have twin sister. And that's one of my favorite things actually is, is and I know we got sidetracked somehow here, probably my fault, is making fun of reasonable doubt arguments, getting to be, well, let's talk about what the word reasonable, reasonable. means, people. Let's have a conversation. And it, it's always fun. But Andrew Wiley, he frustrated Cam but Jordan Andrew into a punch. Wiley, he's you, got a the gall, The gall of you to say all of that and then to say, but Andrew Wiley, well, Andrew like someone Wiley, else I interrupted mean, hey, you. My you gall know? is limitless. Patrick Mahomes may be Super Bowl MVP, but you want to know who the real, the real MVP is. <laughs> that guy right there at right tackle. It, all he needs to do is play average. That's it. If he plays average, some team, maybe Kansas City, because we don't know what the future holds for right tackle. We we don't. To Man, to make it sad. Some team is going to say, man, they've been playing him at the wrong spot. We can make that dude our right tackle. If he has a great Super Bowl, his he agent, is going to make agent, himself some right money. now is going, uh-huh, uh-huh, keep talking, Seth. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think, let me just... Oh, they give you more money to tackle. <laughs> oh, shit. And look, I I, I think his skill set fits right tackle better. That's just, he, he's, he's, got, he's got good feet. He's got good length. Um, his, his functional strength at times has been an issue at right guard. You know where that's not as much of an issue? Right tackle. Mm. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. And also, you don't think he's the best right guard on the roster. You've mentioned that before with Wisniewski being back. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the that's yeah. the thing. If, if Wiley really is better suited for right tackle, and he can play at about the level Remmers was playing at, which Remmers has played well this year, you're going to get an overall upgrade on that right side because Wisniewski has played better consistently than Wiley at right guard. And also, Austin Ryder, he's played his best ball with Stefan Wisniewski next to him. So we'll see. That, again, that's a very glass-half-full version of what's going on with the line right now. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Here's something that's kind of a spinoff of that that uh, I, I want to check in with both of you guys on real quick. It's, I mean, it's been a huge story, and I think that if anyone who's listened to every episode we've done of the, the show these last couple of weeks probably feels all right about this. But um, I, I had somebody ask me, I was doing an interview somewhere else. I don't even, I honestly, at this point, I've lost all track of all the radio stations that I've, I've done hits on these last two weeks. But somebody asked about Patrick Mahomes' toe. And I went, oh, you know what? 
That's actually a, that's actually a good question because Mahomes said at some point during one of his many pressers this week, Nate, that that he feels like it'd be a hundred percent by game time. But you mentioning the offensive line stuff made me think that. Um, you know, one of the things where if you can get average offensive line play, we've seen this many times across this season where the offensive line has been average and Mahomes has been able to move both both as a part of the play, moving the pocket, getting him out of the line of fire. And as a result of a broken play, we we know that Mahomes is incredible in those situations. But in the AFC championship game, he was moving a little bit less. Like you, you can look at the chart of where his passes came from and and it, he, he was throwing left less often, and obviously they were doing. He had a carbon fiber thing around his toe. I'm I'm just wondering if if there's anything that you've heard at all, any literally any amount of information about the toe or any concern the Chiefs may or may not have. I'm I'm assuming that at this point, no news is probably good news. But it, d- does that does that uh, you know hit your radar at this point, Nate, as a, as something to keep an eye on still? Yeah. Um. Again. People that I trusted, you know, a couple weeks ago after the divisional round against the Cleveland Browns, when it was pretty clear, I think on Tuesday, uh, leading in the AFC Championship game, uh, a few people told me uh, he's going to be fine. And then I watched him, what, that Thursday practice and realized, okay, the people that I trust uh, for a reason are are trustworthy, and and I just have to believe that he's going to be 100%. He was – I – I was told he was somewhere between 85 to 90 based on mobility. Now, that doesn't mean his arm wasn't incredible against the Bills, because it was. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, and it's, it is interesting that you mentioned how Tyreek Hill is saying that he's, you know, I didn't really know that there was a phrase called throwing dots, but I mean. I, I, I had never heard that. Yeah. So, um, I guess I guess that's what they're saying now, y'all. Uh, throwing, <laughs> he's, so he's. He's throwing it's very dots. close to saying saying uh, throwing darts, which I have heard before. So yeah. I feel like the evolution uh, there. I could find was it. There, I don't know. Do you think there was a? Do you, do you think Sam misquoted him? Because no, that would be hilarious. No. I, I was, it was I dots. Was, it was dots. I was listening at the same time. It was basically, and this is like inside reporter world, but it was like me. I know Sam Ellinger was in there, and Diana Rossini was in there, and we've all kind of had the same reaction. I just didn't want to put it on Twitter because I'm like, if he. We've all been there, right? You, you you try to say a word, but just say something very similar, and you're just like, I'm going to just ride this out. 100%. Yo, he, he's throwing dots out here, which makes me believe that, like, okay, is it like when you go to the AMC? Remember when we used to do that, kids? You go to the local AMC, and you're like, I'll have a box of dots because those sound <laughs> delicious with my popcorn. And then I just started throwing dots to everybody um, <laughs> during, the, during the preview section of the movie. And turn off your phone! Um, as they scream that at you twelve times, like you, like you were a seven year old. Anyway, wow, I really missed the movie going experience. <laughs> yeah, no, those that's we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there, man. We'll get we'll there. Get there. We'll get there. Come, yeah, come my on. my uh, my my two shares of AMC stock would also love to see that. Yeah, that'd be oh great. gosh, oh, incredible, <laughs> incredible. So. So again, I don't know I if Tyreek was just like, you know what? Strength. We're already down here. Boy, boy, there's a lot of red around there. I just opened that app again. Yikes. Seth, can you lend me some money? <laughs> I don't know who's lying to you, but they're lying to you, Josh. No, nah, dude, no, no key is coming back. It's fine. Just, okay. That's fair. Just 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 move sorry, some of that to money it. to the overs on Travis Kelsey prop bets and you'll be yes. What? <laughs> <laughs> What a wow, Nate! Financial that, advice with Nate Taylor. 
That um, was no slam those overs, man. Slam, slam. Like, like again, these aren't the same people who told me about Travis Kelsey, but some other people have told me <laughs> just a Travis Kelsey game. So, yeah. um, hey I'll, Nate, real, real quick question: nothing to do with what's happened to GameStop the last couple of days, but are sure. you going to get to see the weekend's like uh, rehearsal? Because I, I, I've got uh, I got ten grand on uh, the first song of the uh, of the halftime show. Oh, that is that is a good question. Um, you can yeah. get odds on that. That exists. I, I I will I will text you later tonight when That'd be I great. hopefully arrive <laughs> in Tampa on time uh, and give you an update there. If as it's well. the hills, I'm gonna make significant amounts of money. Mm, mm, good song. Good and if song. it's and if it's and if it's not, I'm gonna need to crash at your place for a little bit. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> um, but Tyreek said he's throwing dots. Cool. Um, he's going to be as close to hundred percent. He being Patrick Mahomes. Uh, as you can be going into the Super Bowl, given uh, the the previous events, as I guess the best way I'll phrase that, whether or not, you know, what <laughs> this is like not important, but there is a scenario, Josh, where uh, the Chiefs win, Patrick Mahomes is back-to-back Super Bowl MVP, and then on Monday morning, uh, when I get two questions with them, I'll say, did you really have a concussion? Because I don't really know, dog. Because, um, like, the season's over, and you can be honest now. Um, but I do think, from a mobility standpoint, he's going to be as close to 100% as you can be. And Jason Pierre-Paul may beat Mike Rimmers. He may beat Andrew Wiley. Um, sacking Patrick Mahomes is... Not the same as sacking Drew Brees, and it's not even the same as sacking Aaron Rodgers. So just keep that in mind. There will be times where Mahomes will have to obviously rise above circumstances, and I think he is more than capable of doing that against the Buccaneers. How does that make you feel, Seth? The the aspect of of letting Mahomes be able to, to fully move with the offensive line. I know again. This this is one of the topics we've talked about a thousand times this week, but it's one that also I know a lot of people are, are continually worried about for totally reasonable reasons, considering mm-hmm. how how much this offensive line's been battered this year. It's it, it, it's it's a subplot, but the it ignores the the underlying issue to an extent. Well, no, not even the underlying issue. The core issue. The core issue isn't who's lining up at offensive line. The core issue is whether or not Mahomes will be under a ton of pressure. Right, mm-hmm. um, because that that's why it matters. It's like the same reason why do we care about quarterback footwork because it normally affects accuracy. Well, let's talk about accuracy then. Like, so let's talk about pressure. It's not like there haven't been plenty of games where Mahomes was facing plenty of pressure this year. So I'm not sure how different an experience it will be. It's been a different year for him this year. Um, Mitch Schwartz being out has been tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so and Eric Fisher. Uh, playing hurt in some games and just that kind of stuff. It's it just, it's been tough. So he's had games, the interior line had some really tough games. And so it's not like he hasn't played plenty of games under pressure. And so it hasn't affect, it just doesn't affect him that much the way it affects other quarterbacks. Now it depends if you get a really intense amount of pressure, it can make things very, very difficult. But Overall, I honestly, I don't expect it to be quite as bad as people are thinking. Now, maybe it will be. Maybe the Bucks will blow my mind. But this feels similar to me to when the Chiefs faced the Buccaneers in Week 12. And, you know, every defense is different. Everything goes whatever. And they had recently come off their domination of Aaron Rodgers. And, and 
this feels very familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, they knocked around Aaron Rodgers. They've done that before. They styles make fights, and I'm just not convinced that the way that the Buccaneers get after quarterbacks is as effective against the Chiefs scheme as it is against the Packers. I'm just not convinced that it is because it wasn't last time. We'll see if it is this time. So I think it's definitely a theme. It's a big deal. But the reality is Mahomes has had plenty of games where he's been under a ton of pressure the whole game, and he's won pretty much all of them. You know, the Saints game, again, I I think he might have gotten hit more in that Saints game earlier this year than he did in last year's Super Bowl. Correct. And they still put up 30. Um, And they could have put up more without a few kind of boneheaded type mistakes. So it matters. And that's, that's, again, where you go to the root of the issue. Like, so why are we talking about the offensive line? Well, to talk about pressure. Why are we talking about pressure? Because it might stop him from scoring points. But does it? Eh, Occasionally? But only if you combine it with awesome coverage on the back end. So we'll see. So to me, the more important issue is that Tampa Bay secondary. If they worked out some of their issues from week 12, we got ourselves a ball game. If they didn't, I don't know how much the pressure is going to matter, honestly. Because pressure doesn't matter that much with Mahomes if he's got open people to throw to. Let's let's flip back to the other side because we talked about Thornhill in the secondary a little bit, but also again I want to to direct people to Seth's article up in the Athletic right now, looking at kind of how each team can win this game and um and and some of the advantages that either team may have. One thing that's kind of funny, Seth, is that you have it, it feels like there, there's at least one area where it's something that the Chiefs need to do well to win, and it's something that the that the Bucks need to exploit to win. Mm-hmm. And, and it's what the Chiefs are going to do in terms of aggressiveness and how they're going to try to get to Brady. They need to, as you phrased it, bring the heat. But also, whenever that happens, Brady needs to take advantage of, of whatever whatever opportunities are happening behind that. Because mm-hmm. by, by blitzing, by bringing extra pressure... You're you're giving up the numbers game. So right. what what do you what do you think or I guess what what are you looking for once this game is actually happening and, and then you can also talk about obviously what you saw last time. But whenever you see all right, the Chiefs are being aggressive. Spags is bringing heat. It's it's Snead or it's it's Sorensen or it's uh, it, it's Ben Neiman, whoever right, Wh- whoever is coming with the pressure there. Why is that so someone. important? It's going to be someone. Why is that so important for, for the Chiefs? And then what can they not allow to happen sure. in order for, for Brady to be able to take advantage of it? Sure. So last time the Chiefs and the Buccaneers played, and, and we'll, we'll wrap this into you know what to expect in the future, people forget that like the D- Chiefs defense dominated Tampa Bay. Yeah. For that, like their first like six or seven drives. And then the Buccaneers, they, they tightened some stuff up with protections. I was talking to, uh, to, to John uh, Ledger with uh, the Pewter Report. He said they, they, they've altered some of their protections after that game, and they haven't been as affected by blitzes since then. Um, Spagnuolo's going to send the heat. I, there's just no doubt in my mind. Now, it would be so funny if instead he designed some sort of, you know, rush three, drop eight defensive game plan. That would be hilarious and, and not a terrible idea on some snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they, they're they very likely, Spagnuolo, his whole career, has gotten after quarterbacks in big games. He's excellent at designing individualized game plans. And especially against Brady, he loves to bring the heat, which is something a lot of teams won't do against him because he's a very smart quarterback. Um, that pressure is going to be important because they do have really good down-the-field uh, ability with their receivers. They can win jump balls. They, they can get open down the field. 
if you if you pressure Brady, and this this was in the NFC Championship, we saw it. Brady will throw picks under pressure. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. And and especially he he's still great. Is he quite what he was five years ago? I don't think so, but I know a lot of people would get mad that, that I dare say that. But he doesn't have quite the same zip on the ball. If you look at his deep ball this year, it's a little more loft to it. And that's, you know, he's still great, just a little more loft to it. Not quite as much velocity all the time. And that leads to picks. He's always thrown picks when under pressure. That That's just, that's Brady. That's who he is. Um, when under intense, consistent pressure, he'll throw a few that you can pick off. That's why that's important, because the Chiefs' defense is built around the idea that if they can force the other team to make mistakes on a couple drives in a row and get a couple stops, doesn't matter if they give up big plays every now and then. That that, that kind of stuff doesn't matter. Although, by the way, with Juan Thornhill back, they don't give up that many big plays with him healthy. Mm. They don't Mm. do it. And that makes it less of a risk when you've got great safety play. Just throwing that out there. We'll see what happens. Maybe maybe the Bucs are the team that make a ton of big plays with Juan Thornhill healthy. It hardly ever happened last year, and there's a reason for that. So if they make a couple big plays on defense, it means more to them than it means giving up big plays because they know if they give up a big play, Mahomes and company will probably respond. But if they make a big play, it gives the Chiefs an opportunity to go on one of those runs. And, you know, those runs like we saw last year against the Texans, against the Titans, against the Niners, we saw it um, in smaller doses because Mahomes got hurt against the Browns, and then in much bigger doses against the Bills. If the Chiefs can get two or three stops on you in a row, you're in trouble. Um, and I actually, uh, I, I shared the article with you. Uh, Mike Lombardi wrote something for The Athletic that kind of read almost like a scouting report. Mm. Um, and it was my favorite thing he's written for The Athletic. Um, I don't mind saying that. Where he talked about a few of these things that, you know, the Chiefs, they, 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 they go on these runs. And it's just, you have to think about every drive as, we have to score some points this drive. Like, you generally can't take field goals. But, like, if you're in that weird position of the field where you, 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 know, it's, you know, it's fourth and long or whatever, you, you got to at least get points. And again, Josh... Relax. I still agree with you on this. If it's like fourth and 10, right? Mm-hmm. If it's like fourth and two, fourth and three, you go for it, man. But if you're in easy field goal range and it's fourth and 10, okay, get some points there. But you, you, that's why you got to, if you're on your 50 yard line and it's fourth and one, you got to go for it. You've got to get points because if you don't, and Spagnolo's aggression leads to this. It lends itself to this, to forcing teams to play conservative. Because if you can get teams to second and 20, a lot of NFL teams will shut it down. And that's an advantage for the Chiefs because if it's just two or three possessions in a row, the Chiefs can put up 21 on you in that time. And other teams aren't equipped to handle that for the most part. Now, Tom Brady's great. We've seen him make huge comebacks before. So it's not like the game's ever really over until the fourth quarter with him. But that's how the Chiefs win games is they go on these runs and other teams are just like, holy crap, Golden State just hit 10 threes in a row on us. What are we supposed to do about that? Yeah, uh, to, to further that point, um, it was 9 nothing Bills. <laughs> and roughly seven minutes later, it was 21 <laughs> 12. It, it happened fast. Yeah. So a, a, good, start, I, a good start isn't enough. A good ending isn't enough. You need to be, um, you just need to be playing your best for. 50 out of the 60 minutes, and that's that's hard to ask any NFL team to do, you know? And that yeah. wasn't enough for the Niners! 
They kind of did that. Not offensively, <laughs> I guess, but they, they got really close to doing that. Right. You're so right, Josh. I mean, it's... They were seven minutes away, guys. Seven. <laughs> seven minutes. Seven and seven minutes and 13 seconds when Wasp occurs. Seven. Just... They were seven minutes away. So... At no point should the Buccaneers feel comfortable. Like, at no point. Literally. Zeros have to be on the clock. And even Patrick Mahomes kind of alluded to that. And I know you're aware of this too, Josh, where he said, hey, as long as there's time, is is the scoreboard showing three zeros? If (laughs) if there isn't, I I I will continue to try to find a way to win. And... You know, a lot of guys could say that, and you could kind of say, "Oh, good, that's that's what you're supposed to say." Smart thing to say. You you feel it when Mahomes says it. To that end, Seth, I know something you tweeted about this week. I know you wanted to talk about it a little bit today, um, and everyone should go find should go look at this little video clip of a couple of throws from Patrick Mahomes. I imagine if you're listening to this show, that's relevant to your interests. But you, uh, you, you, you tweeted a little bit, and you wanted to talk a little bit about what it took for Patrick Mahomes to lose the one playoff game that he has lost mm. in his uh, in his three year career to this point, or three you know, three years as a starter. Um, you you can take this wherever you want. While you're talking, I'm going to keep watching this video. I, believe, <laughs> um, I mean, there's a whole setup to this, but it, it really goes undersold that the one time. In three years that Patrick Mahomes has lost in the playoffs. And, and yes, it is more about the team, too. I get it. Look, I'll, there's a bunch of other guys on the team that matter. And Andy Reid matters. But at the end of the day, there are sometimes Patrick Mahomes just does stuff. And I, we, I wrote earlier this year about how when he's trailing, um, when, when the Chiefs are trailing, Mahomes' game gets kicked up to a whole separate gear, which separates him from other quarterbacks. It's quantifiable. You can find on the Chief of the North newsletter. It is a legitimate fact that when trailing, Patrick Mahomes is twice as good as any other quarterback while trailing. Quantifiable. Yep, Aaron Rodgers. Yep, uh, Peyton Manning. Yep, Tom Brady. Yep, Dan Marino. Any of them. What about, hey, Seth, but what any about... Of all of them. Him, too. Matt Saracen. Uh, any, that's, a, that's a, you know, a Friday Night Lights reference, if anyone was wondering. <laughs> any of them. Any of them. It doesn't matter. So the thing with him is, so he he cranks it up to this unforeseen level where it's like, oh, okay, so I need to score X amount of points in X amount of time or Y amount of time. And here, the example we see in the AFC Championship that gets forgotten about because everyone talks about D4 lining up off sides. They talk about the coin flip. They talk about Bob Sutton playing two-man the entire final two drives. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Um, And just watching, man, I can't believe they threw to Julian Edelman again. Whew. You know, I, hey, listen, I'm still upset about you that. Put some respect on uh, Jacksonville Jaguars senior defensive assistant Bob Sutton's name. All right, <laughs> he got a new gig a couple days ago. <laughs> that is, and keep look, getting them sure checks, he, Bob. Keep hey, doing your hey, thing, he had, baby. He he had a great game plan against the Chiefs <laughs> when they played the Falcons. He did a really nice job. He was throwing out blitzes out there. I was like, I've never seen anyone do that. So good for him. But here's the deal. The Chiefs get the ball back in the fourth quarter in a game in which they've already had to score 31, 34 points in the second half to get back in it because they got shut down in the first half. I mean, Belichick dominated them. They got the ball back with about, I think it was 34 seconds left on their 31-yard line with one timeout trailing by three, and they tied the game. 
Think about that. 30 seconds with one timeout because Mahomes made two throws, and you can look at my Twitter if you want. Um, he made two throws. The throw to Spencer Ware, stupid. Threw it's him dumb. open. He was covered. He was yeah. covered. I don't. He, he, he was covered, and it's not like Demarcus Robinson was that open on the, on the following throw, and Mahomes had chaos in front of him. He was under pressure, and, I mean, he had to make two of the best throws I've ever seen back-to-back. And and it's just unbelievable. Those two throws are both better than almost any other quarterback will make in their entire career. Both of them. Yeah. And that's what he had to do to tie it up. And so then what it took for him to lose was a dominant first half from their defense, right? They had to shut him down in the first half. That alone wasn't enough. D Ford have to had to inexplicably go outside offsides. That alone wasn't enough. Bob Sutton had to play ridiculous. Just two-man coverage, two two safeties high, man coverage across the board, and showing it before the snap every time against Tom Brady, multiple consecutive drives. That had to happen. Seth, I can can report. Um, Josh, you can give me the – Josh, you can give me the the, – hell, not even sources. Steve Spagnuolo told me that. Um, Oh, the the secondary will be moving pre snap. They will they will not they will not stand like sources. statues. They will sources. be moving sources oh, sources named Kendall Steve Spagnolo. Sources yeah. named de- sources named defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo tell the athletics Nate yeah. Taylor that they they're not doing that no more. But that 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 whole deal no 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 no. Where Tyron Matthew will start will not be where the play begins. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I mean and look it just it just happened and people blamed Kendall Fuller and it's like. It, what, what can you do? The safeties are playing deep. He's playing man. It's obviously he's playing man. So, oh, look, they're just going to have Edelman run inside a little bit. And look, it's open. Um, that had to happen. Okay. So, so here's what you've had. You've had, they had to have a dominant. They shut down the Chiefs for an entire half. That had to happen and it wasn't enough. D Ford had to go off sides and kill a game-winning interception. But that wasn't enough. They had to have just, just really poor defensive game planning, allowing multiple drives. The Chiefs had the lead. With two minutes left to go, yep. and Tom Brady scored to put the, the 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 Patriots ahead. That wasn't enough. And then what it took was finally a coin toss, and a, yet another horrific defensive play calling showing in overtime. It took all of those things combined. A historically bad defense wasn't enough on its own. A historically stupid penalty wasn't enough on its own. A historically great first half coaching by Bill Belichick wasn't enough on its own. You needed that plus a coin flip. That's what it took to beat Patrick Mahomes. Maybe it won't take all that this time, but that's the only thing we've ever seen. And I think people really need to jam that into their heads that I don't care what happens in the first quarter of this game. I mean, I care. Like, I hope the Chiefs don't fall behind 21-0. That'll be tough to climb out of. But if they fall behind 21-0, you think I'm turning off that game? Like, even if it's 21-0 at halftime or to start the fourth? That would be weird. (laughs) But (laughs) it just takes so much to beat Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs. And I don't think people realize just how insanely difficult it's been, especially in the playoffs. Feel pretty good about that. Feels pretty good. Anything else, Nate? You feeling good? You want to go on to the next thing? You want to find something else to talk about? We got some time left. Yeah, I mean that was that was. Whew. I <laughs> I I had flashbacks. I had chills because I remember <laughs> I remember how cold it was leaving Arrowhead and how quiet the stadium got. So no, I I am yeah, just uh, just a great moment. 
they oh by the way they had to score thirty seven points. Hey 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 Tom, hey hey Bruce, go get thirty seven, and go get thirty seven minutes of time of possession. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Oh no! <laughs> Could not agree more. Oh god. Um, here's one here's one thing I'll say. Uh, and I've been asking for it. If you if you've been listening to this show, and again, thank you. We appreciate it. We're out here. We've made it to the Super Bowl again. There was there's just one thing I would tell Bruce Arians. Okay, dog. Um most coaches will tell you that it's wise to win the coin toss and then defer to the second half. I know you don't like this man because he's in your division and he's been running that thing for a while now. But you really need to get the officiating crew pregame and say, look, how many minutes is, is the weekend going to be out here? Okay, cool. I'm going to treat this man like he's paid Manning in his prime. So mm. prepare your ass for this onside kick. Hell, do it to start the game. I, You have. like, Can you imagine how bonkers that would you be? Have, oh, but, my but, goodness. But, but Josh, think about what Seth all just said. Think about what we've yeah. all seen with our eyes. Like, I know it sounds idiotic and bizarre and very kai, like very cosmically. Um, it's just it's it's asking a lot. I wouldn't kick to them. I really wouldn't. I would just be like, you could either have the ball at the fifty yard line, or you could have it at the twenty five, and you'll be at the fifty four plays later. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like. It would be Super Bowl lore. And again, if you're a Chiefs fan, I know you don't really want this to happen. But this is how good your team is because of that one singular superstar player. I would onside kick to start the Super Bowl because this man is Peyton Manning in his prime. And he's better than him in his prime. Don't kick the ball to him. Let the weekend do his thing. Hopefully it's riveting. The last concert I was at, ding, 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 that would be J-Lo, y'all, at the Super Bowl. Let everybody get them commercials in. Oh, I'm going to sit down. Whoo, second half started. Let's go. Oh, my Lord, they've onside kicked. I mean, you just just do it, Bruce. Just no risk it, no biscuit. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I've just gotten a, a distressing report from the Newswire, a report from the, from the, the, the text line here from one Seth Kaiser uh, who texted, Ha 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 ha. So my commuter, I imagine computer, just went nuts and shut down. And so hopefully this podcast hasn't just been me and Nate and then long stretches of silence. Um, although, as, uh, as Nate was saying uh, before, we, uh, we, we, the time that may have passed through, through uh, podcasting editing magic, mm-hmm. Seth's computer, I'm going to say doubtful to return mm. at this point. Um, I did get a score prediction, though, if we want to get into sort of like prediction territory. I also wanted to see if there's anything else from this week that it, that had struck you, Nate. You thought, you know what? That right there, that's some of that good stuff. If it's a storyline, if it's a matchup, if it's something we haven't talked about here today. I'll yeah. tell you one thing we haven't mentioned like a breath of yeah. is Cam Bray and, and Rob Gronkowski and what the Chiefs are going to try to do with them. Yeah. They have so many defensive backs that I think they, they can throw at them that it's probably not going to. The season, I don't think is going to end with Ben Neiman in coverage against Rob Gronkowski or, or Cameron Brait. So I feel, I think that might be one of the reasons that I'm not super duper stressed about it because I, I at least think we're going to see Matthew Sorensen, maybe even a little Thornhill, at, he's it, just for the speed against yeah, Brait right. perhaps, to, to, give him, to give him at least some different looks. So it's not just Gronk, uh, Brady to Gronkowski, Barry in coverage for nine, uh, Brady to Gronkowski, Brady and uh, Barry and coverage for eleven. Like I, yeah. I, I think, I think we probably won't end up in that sort of hellscape here. Right, I, I agree. Although I think it's and, and Seth mentions this in his his article with the Athletic to sort of suggest, hey, how can the Buccaneers win? Like, I think Rob Gronkowski is probably going to have to be more involved in this game than in the NFC Championship, where he only had one catch, but it was it was a massive. Uh, tight end screen that sort of popped them open to get uh, their last field goal. So I think I think you're right. Rock McCaskey should be involved more, but I do think the Chiefs are way better equipped to counter that. Whether that's trick or treat Dan Sorensen, whether that's Juan Thornhill, or whether that's you know Tyron Matthew, who will try to undercut some routes because if he sees a similar route, you know, tree or or combination based on formation in his film study. Um, he may shade himself over to over to Rob Gronkowski anyway. So I think I think that's a really good point um, because look if they're hip for hip with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans on the outside, mm-hmm. you know, with all the cornerbacks we've already mentioned, then to get the ball out quicker to not hold on to it too long, you know, the safety valve should be Rob Gronkowski or. You know, just the guy who thinks he's faster than Tyree Kill and Scotty Mitchell. <laughs> and I said Scotty Mitchell on purpose. Um, <laughs> now, this is not to say that Scotty Miller is good. Um, he is very good. 
he somehow got past the bucket or got past the Packers defense before halftime. What? What? Like, yeah. So it could be a Scotty Miller, Rob Gronkowski game. I agree with that. One thing that I would further push this, and again, as you're, I know we're only doing a singular session right now, Josh, but as mm-hmm. as the equivalent of a running back marriage counselor, um, <laughs> I'm I'm just if there was ever a game, if there was ever a time, and this depends on how healthy Clyde Edwards Alaire is. We've seen we've seen just just snippets, just just little like bite sizes. But if there's time to to unleash some of that route tree for Clyde Rizalaire, now might be the time. Use this man as a receiver. Um yeah. because it could help both the offensive line, it could help Mahomes in terms of getting the ball out of his hands quicker, so that obviously uh Jason Pierre Paul and Shaq Barrett don't, you know, overtake the game or don't become Nick Bosa all of a sudden for three quarters. Um they drafted Clyde Edwards Alaire to be a receiver just as much as a running back. They really never got to it. They really never had to get to it. But if he is healthy after playing in the AFC Championship game and not really being, you know, an issue on the injury report since, maybe this is the time to say, hey, this is Andy for the sake of this f- football bromance. I need Seth and Josh to see Clyde Edwards Alaire <laughs> eat. The football while catching it, a couple. Times I, I'll Sunday. tell you what if he if he caught the football and then took off his helmet and took a big bite out of it, the, the first round pick would be worth it in that moment immediately, <laughs> just just because of how how remarkable that scene would be. Um, I I totally agree with that. I mean, I, listen, the, I I've been I've been prepared to have the conversation about like, well, listen that. Drafting running back, blah, 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 even in in the universe where he was super involved in the passing game. He just hasn't been this year. So, right. yeah, I think that would make a lot of sense. Also, I'll add somebody else that I just sort of realized we haven't talked about in a very long time because he hasn't been relevant in a very long time. Sammy Watkins is yeah. coming back. He, his first game back from his early season injury was against Tampa in Week 12. Seven targets, four catches, 38 yards. I mean, throughout the year, even even earlier, other than maybe week one and week three, he caught seven passes each of those games. But but week two, he didn't do much of anything. And it's been it's been obviously a disappointing season for him on a variety of levels in terms of availability, production, all of that. But he's coming back. He's going to make his playoff debut this year in this game. And I don't think we've talked about him at all in three hours of this podcast this week. Very true. And when Sammy Watkins is right and he's on the field, the Chiefs are a nuclear weapon. Like, it just... Mm -hmm. I mean, one of my favorite moments of the Week 12 game was they run up a formation and the Buccaneers... Oh! To this day! What are you doing, Todd Bowles? (laughs) <laughs> they put a single high safety in again, as I put on Twitter. This took me back to 2018. We're about halfway through the season. I started telling everybody in the press box, single high, what are they doing? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so they're single high, and Sammy knows I'm running a route that's going to manipulate the single high safety. What he doesn't know is Tyreek Hill's running right behind me on a diagonal route. Oh, and so Mahomes unleashes the ball, 
because it was an out and up basically is what Tyreek ran. Um, but he's a tr- but Sammy's job is to attract the safety in the middle of the field. Mahomes releases the deep ball and Sammy puts his hand in the air as if he's Randy Moss, but the ball's not going to him because he's knows. Yep, that did my job. <laughs> Put six on the board. He ain't even got to catch it. Like it was one of the most enjoyable parts of the season because you saw how the teamwork just, just, just like it was similar to the Miami Dolphins. And unlike the Miami Dolphins, mm-hmm. the Buccaneers have another chance to sort of uh, redeem themselves. But the Buccaneers and the and the, and the Dolphins, Josh, had the same reaction. Oh, we ain't never played them. We be us. We do what we do. Wow, that guy's fast. <laughs> like, <laughs> holy smokes, he's fast. Hey, coach. Um, yeah, we're gonna have to change some things. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, but wow, that dude's fast. And so Sammy, like, Sammy Watkins is so important, and you are so right, Josh, just because. He made he doesn't even have to touch the ball. Him just being on the field changes the calculation in such a crazy way that like mm. he's been worth every penny of the three year forty eight million dollar deal that was obviously restructured this year. And I know people are hearing that are like, "Wow, Nate, that's that's wildly inaccurate." And I'm saying, no. He when he has been on the field, he's been worth every penny because Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Sammy Watkins, good. Freaking luck. Now, mm. we don't know how healthy Semi is going to be, but he will at least be on the field. I don't know if that means he'll be a decoy um, because of where his calf is or if he's going to be legitimately the guy that was there in week 12 who, even when he caught the ball, he got first downs. He moves the football in a way that says, okay, well, we definitely can't shade off of him a ton, but damn, they got an Hall of Fame tight end and a freaking like the fastest student we so um who knows if we'll see Sammy throw his hands up in the air when the ball's halfway to Tyreek Hill but um that's all he has to do on some on some on some snaps and uh it is truly a luxury if Patrick Mahomes can have that and have the protection to go deep because he has Sammy and Travis working the intermediate all right I'm gonna I'm gonna give you Seth's score prediction I'm gonna give you mine I want to hear yours Here's here's where I end up. I think that my biggest sort of shift this week from how I feel about this game, if it would have been played after merely one week of narratives as opposed to two weeks, is it's really given me some time to talk myself into the Chiefs defense, not just being pretty good, but being a pretty good matchup here with all of those guys in the secondary that we talked about earlier, how they all line up from all the Buccaneers weapons and and then how they're going to be able to affect Brady. Um, I don't know if we've mentioned Chris Jones today, so I'm going to say his name now because he, I mean, if, if there was a non-sort of uh, traditional stat recording player in this game that I could know the production of to determine how this game goes, I think I'd probably choose Chris Jones. Because yeah. if he's got, if he's got, you know, two sacks and, and eight pressures or something, I feel really good. Um, if he is very quiet, I feel pretty crummy. So I, but I feel, I feel pretty good about interior pass rush. I feel pretty good about the secondary right now. I feel excellent about the chiefs offense. And I, I keep kind of moving. I keep kind of moving into a larger margin 
and, and I'm kind of in like a like a 34. I want to say kind of 34, 24 kind of space. Maybe it should be 34, 27. I don't know. But I I, I feel like the Chiefs are going to score 30. I feel pretty good about that because I've watched this team play, and uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of buying stock, not just in GameStop, but in the. Uh, <laughs> But in the Chiefs' defense, and I hope this investment goes better for me. Uh, Seth Seth says forty-one to thirty-one. Yeah, I we, we we should also mention too. And I know this is late. There could be some weather. There could be some rain, um, mm-hmm. which may change, you know, the complexion of the game. Um, hopefully, the good Lord will give us sunshine. Um, you know, with with these two good offenses on the field, I've, you know. I had to start giving a prediction on Monday and I'm in one of these weird points where I basically have to stick to what I said because it's on the record. Uh, <laughs> literally. Um, I said Chiefs 31, Buccaneers 26. Um, I don't know who will have the ball last. I don't know which quarterback will go onto the field and, you know, Nance and Roma will essentially say that, you know, this is, potentially a career defining possession. Mm. Um, I know that we are coming towards the end of, of a, of an era of an era of cheese football that has never existed previously. Mm. I think they'll win. I think they're the better team. Doesn't necessarily mean that that will be indicative of the scoreboard. Um, but I've watched this team enough not to not to dissuade in terms of faith about what Andy Reid's going to do. And yeah. Josh, I just assume that some of those points of the thirty-one that I predict will come from something we haven't seen from this offense all year. Yeah, and I know Andy Reid has been quietly telling people we don't have any special plays. And I know some fans on Twitter have understood the thought process to his statement, and it's very keen of them. And I applaud our listeners and fans who say none, nothing is special in Andy Reid's mind because they've all been set up to have a purpose. They will be special to us, but the Buccaneers are clearly going to start seeing stuff right around the second quarter, in my opinion, that they cannot be prepared for just because like, this is what they've done. Now they've created plays only for January and early February. (laughs) So I, I have, I have to trust the chiefs in terms of what I've gotten to know about this team over the course of three years. And that is saying quite a bit when you know, Tom Brady is on the other side of the field. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there it is. We're done. It's over. You can uh, you can read if if the, if this podcast did not get you all the way up to kickoff. Here's what I'd suggest. I suggest you go read a large number of stories that Nate has written this week, including two from the last few days that we did not even get to today. Um, a, a story about the uh, sort of the roster construction of this team, and it, it it's just a, a nice little refresher there of of where these dudes came from. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also the story that, that Nate wrote with some help from some listeners about uh, about looking back on Wasp that uh, will will take you through and the uh, one of the most iconic plays in, in Chiefs history. In fact, if you want to give us like a little a little sales job on the Wasp story, Nate, I'll I'll take that and then and then you can take us right out of here. Yeah. Um 
that story, uh, as I've told Danielle, Josh, and Seth, is it probably doesn't come out uh, without the listeners. So thank you. Um, pretty much everyone that I had talked to outside, I think, of Casey Sager, who I had kind of known on, on just our relationship as a whole, um, they all reached out and wanted to share their stories. It was really cool to know that um, just a thought I had about tying the anniversary and knowing that the team was back in the Super Bowl um, would probably lead to an in- enjoyable read. And, um, you know, too often we don't talk or discuss about fandom enough. And I understand that mostly fans want to learn about the team through us. And we are always um, grateful for that. But yeah, just to know that it's, you know, some people have said it's the new version of 65 toss power trap. And the way that I would like to um, further push that is, the Chiefs were winning when 65 Toss Power Trap occurred, mm. I believe. Um, and they they essentially um, mollywopped the Vikings all over the field in Super Bowl Four, to the surprise of many. Um, Wasp is the greatest play in Chiefs history because without it, it's either 4th and 15 mm-hmm. or they never come back. Um, it is the igniter. It's the biggest chunk yardage play in the entire game. Um, and you know, a, a bunch of people have said it, including NFL films, you have to have the coach, the quarterback and the receiver to pull something off that great. And the 49ers secondary hadn't given up, had given up the least amount of 20 plus yard plays over the air in like years, uh, based on how good their secondary was. So, I mean, it's, um, it's a play that people won't forget. And so I thought it was, you know, worthy to look back on it a year later. And I'm just, you know, very pleased that people enjoyed reading it because, you know, I learned something and it's my job to sort of pass that forward. And so it was, it's, it's been cool all, all season to just, you know, share those type of things and trying to do it in a creative and, uh, you know, fun manner. It's very cool. It's a very fun story. It'll give you give yourself a chance to relive that before whatever happens this year yep. ends up being the thing for the next 365 days. Uh, and then also, of course, you've got Seth's piece about what each team can do slash needs to do to win this game. You can also check out his Chief in the North newsletter. I think there's going to be at least one more piece coming from there this week. And you can follow all of us on Twitter, which I imagine will be a good time or bad time, I guess. It'll be a time <laughs> across all three of our, our Twitter accounts. At real MN Chiefs fan for Seth, at by Nate Taylor for Nate. I am at JB Briscoe. Thank you to everyone for listening over the course of this season. We will have an episode on Monday. Win, lose, or draw. Definitely won't be a draw. It'll definitely be win or lose. And uh, and we'll talk to you after Super Bowl 55. Nate, I know you're going to catch a flight to Tampa. Uh, wrap us up here. Get us out of here. Yeah. Uh, we've made it. Thank you all for listening, for following along. I, I can't tell you how much. Uh, the podcast has meant to us over the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, two things. I I, I I unfortunately won't see Troy Eggman this year. He's not doing mm. the game. So I can't I can't go into the Fox booth because it's a CBS booth. So um and for COVID reasons I can't I can't spend 30 minutes with, with Joe Buck explaining to him our podcast, which happened a year <laughs> ago. Um that Fox Sports executives thought it was hilarious. That we kind of put Troy Aikman on blast. And then, you know, Patrick Mahomes made us look like geniuses. Uh, The second thing is, I know fans have started to reach out and say, hey, if and when the Chiefs win, uh, can you go get some confetti? 
This will be something that will be on my mind all weekend. Uh, obviously, we have to see the, the results of the game. I don't know what the hell the league's going to do um, with confetti or if they're going to let me be on the field. I will try my best if the Chiefs win to somehow get on the field. Both me, Lindsey Jones, and Rustin Dodd did it a year ago. Um, and it's it's one of my favorite memories of 2020 is, again, doing a service for fans to connect them to their favorite team uh, through reporting, podcasting, and the like. Um, so send a prayer, I guess, is the best answer I have in terms of confetti. Um, but if that doesn't happen this year, it won't be because I didn't think about you guys. Um, if the Chiefs do win their second championship in two years. I mean, again, a statement that sounds insane five years ago. But hey, uh, life is fun and tricky. Um, thank you so much. And we'll see if the confetti falls on the Chiefs yet again. <laughs>